Now, it's time for the Cybersecurity News Bite with Jim Guckin. Cybersecurity News Bite, Episode 31, for October 24th, 2022. Emotet learns a new trick. Are open source repositories safe? Text for Shell concerned. And 16 apps pulled due to malware from phones. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Starting off this week with one of our favorite uh, malwares that are out there, just because it seems to be in the news every week, Um, it's Emotet. So, Trustwave uh, Spider Labs researchers have detected a new wave of mal spam, which is, you know, spam with malware attached into it. Though this one, I will give Emotet kind of you know, a little uh, kudos because it's very interesting the way this one works because there is a dummy document inside a compressed file, but you do not need to open the dummy document. All you need to do is just decompress the files to look at them. In those, de- in, Once you decompress, it uses a batch file to automatically supply a password unlock. So once again, it is encrypted uh, compressed file, which makes it hard for you know, antivirus and and uh, malware scanners in your mail system to actually catch it because it's encrypted. Uh, you probably shouldn't allow those to be delivered, but I understand why businesses do. But, you know, the batch script automatically unlocks the compressed file. It also utilizes a PDF or Excel icon to make it appear legitimate. Uh, right now, they've been detected using kind of a uh, invoice theme, when it comes to uh, perpetuating this scheme, scheme, I don't know why I said it weird, um, but what this means is is they say, hey, this is an invoice from so-and-so company, please pay as soon as possible, you may be late, stuff like that to get you to click on to it. Um, once again, the archive itself is password protected, but it automatically puts the password in for you so you don't have to worry about it. Um, it is what uh, is called often a nested self-extracting archive, which means it you know it pulls itself out and does everything it needs to do all without you having to do it. Now, when it extracts these files, besides you know opening itself automatically and putting the dummy files out there, it drops CoinMiner or QSAR remote access tools. So overall, this thing has three separate components. There's the password-protected self-extracting RAR, uh, also known as RAR SFX. The batch script that you know does all the stuff in the background, and the decoy file, which it could be Excel, an image, or PDF. Um, I'm sure they'll change the tactic to add other things, Word document, uh, but that's all. It's all decoy. It doesn't really matter what it is, uh, but. As I've said, password-protected zips are becoming the new rage because you're, if you can't unzip it, you can't run malware scans across it uh, or any kind of other scan that might protect your network from dangerous situations. So that's something to look out for. And about 96% of the Emotet-based attacks currently are using that password-protected zip file. 
Uh, and it's just going to keep increasing in its current usage because, well, they're getting away with it. Now, the coin miner does exactly what it says it should. It's a crypto miner. Um, though, it does have the nasty side effect of also being able to double as a credential harvester. So, not only will they use your CPU or GPU to uh, mine crypto coins for them, all without having to do anything or pay anything, uh, it could also steal all your credentials and you know, send it to the the hackers out there. So not really something you want to have. Now, the other one that it may drop, um, QSAR, as I said, is a remote access Trojan. It's an open source malware. It's .NET based, and it gives them access to your computer. Once again, not something you really want. But my recommendation is if you can, you block any encrypted... Um, or, or, or password-protected zip files, or RAR files, or anything that, that's a compressed file type. Because hackers are going to use these to get in, and until there's a way for you know these companies to really pull them apart and scan them, they're going to look like legitimate files, and they're going to get through. And in this case, as I said, it knows the password. It'll put the password in itself and extract everything. So... That can be dangerous, uh, especially if you want to, as a security researcher or security uh, analyst or security engineer, if you want to check a file that someone's reported, well, that's where it can get a little tricky because, you know, if you extract it, then you become the victim. Uh, and hopefully you have some tools to, to have detected that. So Emotet continues to change tactics to evolve um, so you have to really keep an eye out for it because it is one of the more popular ransomwares, remote access tool, malware that you can find out there. So pay attention to what it's doing because you kind of need to know how to protect yourselves from it. For our second story this week, um, is something we've talked about kind of in passing, really. Um, because we've talked about a couple incidences where a open source repository or build was tampered with, whether it be malicious actors or even the code maker themselves. So the question really becomes, are open source repositories safe? And really, there are two answers for this, and I hate to be that guy. If you're downloading a repository and you know what you're looking for, and you trust the source, and you check to make sure it is what it says it is, then it's safe. Ironically, though, that's not how most businesses use it. You just add it to your systems and you run with it. So for everyone else, eh, there, there's a risk there. And it's not just me saying this. Uh, Sonatype, in a report, showed that there was a 633% rise in tax against open source repositories year over year. Since 2019, there has been an annual overall increase of 742% in such attacks. And the reason is, is the reason most of these malicious actors do anything. There is a rise in the adoption of open source repositories by enterprises. You're cutting your budget a little on your programmers. You want to do things quicker. Well, the repositories are where you go. 
and the hackers and the malicious actors know that. Now, they're even targeting the top downloaded open source ecosystems. So if you have Java, JavaScript, or Python, these are where they're trying to kind of wedge themselves in. And what should scare you here, what scares me here, honestly, is 1.2 million downloads of code with vulnerable Java dependencies in a month. So every month, it may not be the thing that you are downloading, but it may be a dependency of that thing that has, you know, Log4J still in it. Now, six out of seven vulnerabilities in projects are really based on other project dependencies. So this is now not even just the thing you're downloading, it's what it has to download to run as well, what it's dependent upon. 96% of known vulnerable open source downloads are avoidable. And this is not going to stop. They're going to keep trying to exploit these open source ecosystems for their own nefarious purposes. You know, they want to get Log4J installed. They want to do crypto heists. They want open source repositories to, to sneak this thing into your network. So they don't even have to try. That's really what it comes down to. You know, uh, doing a phishing or a, um, a mouse spam campaign, that, that takes time and resources. If they just hack an open source repo for one of these three major groups, the Java, JavaScript, and Python, then, then you'll download it yourself. They don't even have to interact with you. You just come online on their botnet system. So, I've talked about the, 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 the scary part of this, and I guess what I need to do in my due diligence here is, what can you do? Now, where possible, and I'm throwing this out here because I, I don't believe it's a real possibility for most organizations, where possible, avoid the open source repository. Hire someone to develop the code for you. But, you know, hire the right person because they could easily just copy these same codes and do it themselves. Make sure your security program, your cybersecurity program, uh, has a software development process. And it that process should include the potential risk of using outdated and vulnerable systems or codes. And finally, the best thing to do is, is employ a rigorous evaluation and testing process. I'm hoping you have software that you can kind of run vulnerability scans or try to check for these really big, scary vulnerabilities that are out there before you put a machine into production. Um, and and it's a, that can protect you, that, that, that'll do the best to, to kind of cover you. The other thing, the scary thing, I guess I'd have to say on top of that is, honestly, even if you do all that, you know, we've had stories in the past where Linux systems or code bases have been vulnerable forever. So that even if we're talking about a system that you've checked, everything looks good, you know, these vulnerable code uh, could just not be found yet. And you can't scan for that stuff. Um, but that goes the same as if you have your own code writer. So, uh, I mean, that's a risk we kind of all take. Um, but 
the safe bet is always to avoid the code that you know has a vulnerability in it. Um, so make sure that you really put stuff in place to protect yourself against bad code, whether it's accidentally bad, maliciously bad, or a code repository that someone hasn't updated a dependency for. Um, especially when it's open source, most of these are done by um, very brilliant people who may have moved on to another project and not necessarily updating things in the manner that they should. Now, if you're using Apache Commons, you really need to look out. So uh, WordFence, which if you're unaware, is a security company who specializes in WordPress sites, has detected active exploitation of a new Apache Commons text vulnerability. They found it back on October 18th, and it's now been titled, which... I'm going to laugh at just because I feel like this is the new error uh, of naming these things text for shell with four being the number four. Now the likelihood of successfully exploiting this new text for shell is significantly limited in scope. When you look at, you know, the other big one log for J uh, most detected payloads by WordFence so far are designed to scan for vulnerable installations, not necessarily exploit them at this time. They're, they're, they're doing recon, which only means, honestly, it's a matter of time before someone figures out the best way of taking advantage of this. So text for shell is being tracked uh, as a CVE, CVE 2022-428089. Which has a CVSS score of 9.8 out of 10, so it is really serious. Um, it was originally reported back in March, and it was updated in in September to version 1.1 or 1.10.0. Now the advisory came out on 10.13, which is why we're covering on the show. Um, and I like the way this company did it because they turned around really quick. They updated, they gave it some time for the update to kind of roll out, and then they made their announcement of what the vulnerability was. So if you have uh, the Apache Commons text versions 1.5 to 1.9, these are the vulnerable ones. Now, We've said I kind of joked that you know it's kind of like log for shell. So like log for shell, it is rooted in the mannered string substitution during DNS script and URL lookups. So the way it looks up, you know, a DNS entry, any kind of script that may be hosted externally, or any kind of website is where this gets exploited. Now, once the exploitation leads to the execution of com of code from an untrusted import source. That's very technical. If you're not that technical, in English, what this means, and I'll put it in the, in the notes for the show, is that a malicious attacker can send a specifically crafted payload externally using script DNS or URL lookups, and it gets, the, it gets your server to run code that it shouldn't. Now, the biggest fear here is the exploitation is giving it a reverse shell so that they have access to the system. Your system calls out to them. They make the modifications. 
Now, on the flip side of that, unlike log for shell it doesn't have as big of a footprint. log for shell was everywhere. It, was, it had a huge footprint to this. And to actually exploit this, you kind of need to expose the attack surface and then utilize the vulnerability. So you got to make a, a kind of a an incision before you can even uh, exploit it. So it is one that is harder to do and why the active exploits right now are just looking for vulnerable versions, your best bet is to upgrade your Apache Commons text beyond version 1.9. Now, it actually kind of ties back into uh, the story we just talked about with the open source repositories because um, another indication of potential security risks is posed by a third-party open source dependency. It's not in WordPress itself. It is a third-party dependency. So just kind of keep that in mind. And honestly, this is not even the first time that the Apache Commons uh, dependency has had, you know, problems. Uh, back in July, there was a CVE 2022-33980, which also had a CVSS score of 9.8 that uh, resulted in arbitrary code execution through the variable interpolation functionality. So it's just a vulnerable version that continues to be exploited. They patch it and, and you know, new things pop up. Uh, as you can see here, the, you know, we talked about the, uh, the version 1.5 to 1.9. So through multiple iterations, this was not detected because no one was using it yet. Uh, now that we're using it, there are uh, four versions that you need to make sure that you're avoiding as much as possible. Even though it's hard to exploit, someone's going to figure it out. Patch now. Patch as quick as you can. Because the vulnerability seriousness is there. I said it's 9.8 out of 10. Now it's not a 10, but it's 9. It's enough that you should pay attention to it and get it uh, upgraded as soon as possible. For our final story of this week, and it will be a quick one, uh, mostly because you're going to have to probably check out the show notes to really figure out what versions there are. Um, but we talked about this story kind of in the past and it's going to keep happening, which is Google play. So Google themselves have removed about 16 apps after finding clicker malware and the download count for these uh, different versions is 20 million. So you might want to ask what, what clicker malware is. It's probably not one of the ones you hear often. Uh, it pretends to be a normal app. You know, in this case, cameras, currency converters, QR readers, stuff like that. And it's all to actually trick people to download them. Once they download them, that's when it kind of begins. So it visits bogus websites and simulates ad clicks. So we're all familiar at this point that the internet is based off of ad clicks. You know, you click, you get money for it. So it's generating money for the malicious actors. And they've kind of actually been a little genius with this, where it doesn't doesn't start the first hour you download the app, which is probably when you're going to use it the most. And part of the reason for this is if you do notice something weird or if you've discovered things, then it's kind of hard to identify the source. You know, if you download application right away and things start acting weird, you go, all right, nope, this is the problem. Uh, but... At the same time, if it waits a little bit, you may have downloaded other apps. It's kind of harder to 
you know, kind of figure out which application is causing this. Um, this also kind of causes some heavy network traffic, whether you're on your Wi-Fi at home or what's worse is if you're using cellular signal uh, and you have a limited data plan because this thing is going to sit there and keep going to websites and keep making clicks on ads or so that, you know, they can make money. And, you know, the worst thing being for most people here, which is the anxiety everyone has, which is what happens when your phone dies. You know, it's using all this processing power. It's going to kill it quicker than normal. Probably not, you know, within an hour, but, you know, you, you may have, let's say your phone generally lasts you eight hours, and then all of a sudden it drops down to six. That could be something going on in the background. And all this so they can generate profit for the malicious actors out there, the ones who generate this code. So uh, here's the short part of this, but I will try my best. Um, there is the list of these apps that if you have them, you absolutely should delete them, especially if you use some, you know, non-Google uh, method of downloading them. Uh, but it's called, uh, the they're called High Speed Camera, Smart Task Manager, Flashlight Plus. Uh, there's one that's uh, in Korean for the words uh, calendar and notepad. Uh, one's called K-Dictionary. Uh, the other one's called Busan Bus. There's another Flashlight Plus. Uh, they both have different um, application names, which you don't see. But uh, Quick Note, Currency Converter, Joycode, Esdika, Instagram profile downloader, easy notes, uh, one in Korean for flashlight, one in Korean for calculator, and then finally a third uh, flashlight plus. And that's kind of going in the order of descending downloads. So if you may have downloaded one of these, if you're curious and you want to look at the the actual application name that's behind the display name. So most of the apps you see on your phone have a display name. Those are the ones you're familiar with. That's where Flashlight Plus comes in multiple times here. But there is a something called like com dot something dot and the name of the application. Uh, those are available on cybersecuritynewsbyte.com website. Uh, go to this story or this uh, podcast link and what you'll get underneath is the, the show notes that'll show you the ones that you need to look for in your environment or on your personal machines or your personal uh, phones to make sure that you have gotten rid of them especially said the, the the top couple because the the uh, high-speed camera has like 10 million plus downloads the smart task manager has 5 million downloads now the Final Flashlight Plus only has like about 100 downloads uh, at the time they were taking down. So, uh, more than likely you haven't downloaded that, but someone might have downloaded a high-speed camera. Why you need a camera app when your camera app is included in your phone, who knows? Uh, but that's something you got to pay attention to. So, make sure you're on the lookout for those. Go to our website, cybersecuritynewsbyte.com. Click on this podcast, and then you'll be able to see which uh, versions are out there. And make sure you pay attention to it. All right, everyone, thanks so much for joining us once again for Cybersecurity News Bite. I am Jim Guckin, and make sure you stay safe online.
We'll talk again soon. You've been listening to the Cybersecurity News Byte with Jim Guckin. Learn more about our show at cybersecuritynewsbyte.com. 